and welcome to yet another episode of the Dicer Screaming Podcast. I am Randy. I am Mike. And together we form the Dicemen, the Dicemen of the Dicer Screaming Podcast. The two-headed literary etin looming large in your podcast blogosphere, or podosphere. Haunting the interwebs. Yes, and we've got another spooky topic, because it's Spooky-tober. It is, and it's been great. I've really been enjoying this a lot. Uh, We've hit some topics that uh, are all relevant to the season, and, I, you know, I think we're, we're staying on target as far as, like, connecting it to the way that it relates to games. Uh, and we're not really straying from that format. I'm not giving it all away. The kimono is fluttering, but it is not actually open. So, I mean, you know, no need to cover the children's eyes back home. Uh, nothing untoward will happen. Oh, uh, we'll, okay. We'll, we'll save the big reveal for a little later. That's right. But we've had some good call-ins on our last one, our spooks and haunts and ghosts and things that go bump in the night, or probably should if they weren't incorporeal. So starting us off is Lyrian from... Hello, Lyrian. Yeah, Tales from the Middle of Nowhere? I believe so. Yeah, I think that's it. All right, well, we'll uh, pick it up in uh, just a few moments with her take on our Spooktober spooks. So stick around. Hi, guys. It's Lyrian. I really enjoyed your episode about haunts and spooks. You know, I have to tell you that I never thought about that being a part of games because I've mentioned on my podcast, the person that I knew who gamed in high school, and that is a singular, played uh, like just classic dungeon crawl stuff. And he's the only person I ever heard about this stuff from, and he never mentioned any of it. So really, until I met my husband and learned so much more about gaming than I had known previously, I had no idea. So it's really interesting to me how complex, even just classic D&D is, let alone what they are now. Oh my gosh. So anyway, thank you very much for sharing that. I had no idea there were that many kinds and what the differences were. Thanks. All right, Lyrian. Uh, thanks for that. Uh, that's updates from the middle of nowhere. And, uh, yeah, so that's a great podcast to check it out. Um, well, yeah, thanks, Illyrian. Uh, we wanted to kind of cover the gamut of kind of ghost stories that were present. And, I mean, there's so many monsters that have kind of encapsulated just one factor that I think it goes far beyond just the ghost. But, uh, yeah, um, I'm glad you appreciated that. And Oh, and I, more than anything, I hope that uh, people who hear these things uh, take a chance on hijacking a notion and running with it in campaign with a new batch of players. You know, throw... Uh, Think of your favorite ghost story, your favorite scary movie. Uh, try to find a way to riff on it and homage it in-game. Uh, especially this time of the year when it's so much fun. Oh, yeah. And something like A Haunt or Poltergeist from an expired adventurer in a classic dungeon setting can all make it... All are welcome. All are welcome. All right, Not that Poltergeist, okay. but all right. Well. Yeah, a Poltergeist in the classical D&D sense of a monster stat, not a whole genre of movies... Or franchise. Um, Go towards the light. Exactly, sure. <laughs> and uh, putting that into perspective of making it in a dungeon format where a trap or area of death from a group of adventurers has expired makes it kind of creepy and adds a different element. So, yeah, that's kind of where we were aiming and glad you got a hold of that. Ah, oh, bravo. Good to hear from you again, too. 
Yeah, and uh, we also have one from Jason. Oh, wonderful! At uh, RPG Variety, our nerds, nerds RPG Variety Cast. That's right, and he's got a few things for us. So we'll take it away, Jason, and we'll be right back. Hey guys, Jason from Nerds RPG Variety Cast here. Just want to let you know you did a great job on the Ghost episode. But actually, let me push my glasses up here. In matter of fact, I'm just kidding. When I call in, I'm not trying to bust your guys' balls at all. I, I hopefully, hopefully you're taking my calls in a, in good spirit because I don't mean them anything but in the best of spirits. I enjoy your podcast greatly. Um, so hopefully you're just joking back with me. But if I am ruffling your feathers, let me know and I'll tone it down. Uh, it's funny you mentioned the hitchhiking ghost because in my episode on this past Monday, the 21st, I think, I actually talk. I actually use the hitchhiking ghost in a little mini solo scenario to, as an example, of my rules. So it's kind of cool. But anyway, great episode. Talk to you later. Bye. Hey, Jason. Uh, yeah, man. Thanks a lot for all your input and no, no ruffled feathers. And I like the way you went with the spirit. Uh, I see what you did there. No, we, <laughs> if we mess up something or there's something we missed, like the vampire uh, player in the original Blackmore campaign, uh, yeah, you know, tell us. And uh, oh. we're more than willing to take our lumps. But uh, you're not doing it in a way that I think you are even hitting a lump. Yeah, I, I, never, just... I never got an impression of hostility at all. No. Uh, and also, I, I suppose... It's been a long time since our first episode, uh, and I should reiterate something that uh, philosophically, I mean, if people wonder kind of where our zone is at, uh, we decidedly set out to distance ourselves from any kind of notion that suggests uh, authoritative knowledge, which we don't have. No, uh, I not would, at all. I would love to be an authoritative expert on something or almost anything. Uh, but I don't actually have any of those qualifications. And so our whole pretense uh, right from the get-go has been about a kind of free-flowing exchange of ideas. And, you know, it sounds a little hippie-ish, but we dig it. Uh, <laughs> you know, there's a little element of the dude there and the big Lebowski going, yeah. you know, hey, you know, right on, man. That that sounds cool. Uh, would you like a uh, white Russian? I've got some uh, Kahlua and... You know. Well, like, that's just your opinion, man. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, the rug really brought the whole room together. Uh, so it's a pretty lighthearted vibe here at the Dicer Screaming. Yeah, so uh, don't think if, if we uh, reiterate right back, it's not like, oh, you know, we have to have the last word. I mean, no. it is kind of our podcast. When we put you on here, we do kind of get the last word. But well, because, because we actually like to you know, responsibly respond as often as possible to anybody who takes the kind out or the takes the time out and shows the kindness to comment. Right. Uh, you know, just to be involved in the community and to hear other people's thoughts is kind of an awesome privilege right out of the gate. I just, I feel enormously good about being able to bat ideas back and forth with gamers from around the world and around the country. Uh, this has just been a great ride. Right on, and I am 100% behind that. So just keep those calls coming in, Jason. Don't don't worry yourself. You you are one cool cucumber in our book. So we also have another one, and that's from Ooh. Joe. All Joe right. Richter. Yeah. Joe Way from the block. Yeah. 
well, Joe. So he's uh, got some words to share with us, and also in vain. Yeah, I did that uh, <laughs> with some synergy. So it's good that uh, we hit Jason's synergy with the, the haunted hitchhiker, and something else that uh, we also hit with Joe as well. So take it away, Joe. What's going on, boys? And it was another example of that anchorite synergy last night. I was listening to your latest show while I was prepping for my game this coming Sunday and uh, fleshing out a random table for while my players are traveling through these dangerous, dangerous mountains. And I was literally looking at the Pathfinder second edition entry for Grave Night when you guys started talking about the Grave Night last night. And I thought that was so cool. Um, Yeah, anyway, I just had to call in and let you know. That was dope. All right, dudes. Peace out. All right. Hey, Joe. Uh, glad that uh, you know, we kind of synced up there. You know? Yeah. That was, uh, that's pretty cool to hear about. I mean, um, but tis the season, you know? I mean, great minds think alike, and apparently also ours. Uh, yeah, there's, really? just, there's this weird communal <laughs> thought pattern kind of permeating Anchor. And uh, Halloween has Shandy and, and uh, uh, Dave over at uh, Deeper Sentinels is. Uh, also, I've been uh, hitting a couple of notes we have as well. So, yeah, I mean, that Andy, kind of goes Andy, through. Andy at Unguarded Treasure, uh, and Dave is at uh, Deeper Sentinel, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they've they really been hitting some good stuff over there. So, we need to catch up with those cats and uh, give them a little what for, too, that uh, have been kind of grooving off of each other. So, it's kind of like improv jazz, you know, where everybody's kind of doing their own thing, but yet we're still on the same groove and riff. Yeah, the... You know, it, it, it all comes back together before the song is done. Oh, man. And it's just what a great season it is, too. It is a terrific season for gaming, and I've got a special event of my own coming up tomorrow. Uh, a special Halloween game for kids uh, down at uh, Perfect Storm. And it is... I am... I'm not giving away too much because my audience is probably too young for podcasts. So... Uh, no secrets being revealed here tonight will do any harm to the game tomorrow. But I can say that I have harvested some of my favorite material from the Sinister Secret of Salt Marsh original module and prepared it for a four-hour mini-session uh, with the, the Junior League over at the shop. So I'm, I'm really excited. And the, the, the season of spooky events has just you know, crept in all around us. Yeah, it is, and it's really nice, and it's a celebration. It's the time to really bring it out. Um, yeah, and by the way, that uh, rumbling you heard was not anybody having gastric distress. It's the neighbor's vehicle that is in dire need of muffler repair. I thought it was the Texas Chainsaw Massacre guy out there. Old Leatherface was just, you know, standing out there in the yard, waving it around. No, that's a good take on it. But all right, yeah, I think... I'm going to sell that. I'm going to sell that as what's going on out there. It's in no way just a crappy muffler. Right on. So uh, (laughs) thanks a lot, Joe. And uh, let us know how that 2E Pathfinder game's going, man. Take it easy. yeah. But uh, we're going to turn to uh, pay the bills and get back some topics. Oh, we should do that. We're honor bound. Thank you, Anchor. And uh, we'll get back with you folks in just a moment. So stick around for more stuff. All right, and we're back. And... Probably much to your regret. <laughs> but hey, thanks for listening. Uh, oh, if you're still here, what the hell is wrong with you? My God, man. Get yourself together. Ladies and gentlemen, have some decorum, please. 
Yeah, but we did bring you some topics, so uh, hopefully you'll stick around for that. Uh, what is our topic tonight? Well, gee, um, um, let me, oh, gee, let me find some papers. Ruffle this around, you know. Just, uh, oh, okay. Here, yeah, can, can we get Paul to give us some music? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> give us some fumbling for answers, Paul. Yeah. <laughs> no, actually, we had this planned. Uh, <laughs> yeah, some awkward, filling the awkward silence. No, it's actually uh, horror. Oh, wow, you you guys been talking about horror During Halloween, yeah. I mean, this is spooked over. We have been tearing it up on the horror subject. And, you know, we've got a slightly different take on it, okay? Uh, We we did micro on a number of topics. We went a little meta on another. Uh, But this time we're going meta again, okay? We're, We're back in, you know, we're panning the lens back until, you know, we're looking at the whole planet once again. That big... Blue, beautiful marble that is Earth. Uh, and we're looking at the horror genre itself overall and its relationship to gaming and all its little facets. And this is better suited to our you know, like freeform day where we can just kind of ramble and go off and uh, we, we don't have to cleave to a really strict format on this one. Yeah, where well, we talked about the Hammer horror films and vampires and other such things. We're laying the found work kind of for this as... This is horror in gaming, and that's what we're going to primarily talk about, but there's still a little context that needs to be done here. Um, first of all, you know, there are five basic types of horror out there. So the gothic horror, the supernatural horror, the non-supernatural horror, the thriller, uh, mystery, suspense, and mm-hmm. then the last one is gore. Now, the gore, or it's sometimes called gore punk or splatter punk, it is... A kind of genre and film that I kind of only think exists in in a medium of the visual because it's so revuls- repulsive and visceral that it involve invokes a reaction right off the bat. And you can do this in role playing games with uh, uh, graphic descriptions, very violent scenes, and things like that. You know, one could argue that technically speaking. Uh, Warhammer Fantasy, uh, Crit Tables, Rollmaster Crit Tables, and some of the uh, Pathfinder Crit Cards are kind of splatterpunk in the fact that they yeah. emphasize, uh, ex- you know, blood pump explosions and 10,000 gallons of fake blood were used to make this uh, well, scene. Well, you know, uh, pierced spleen, you know, <laughs> opponent bleeds out hideously. Disembowelment, you know. Uh, decapitation! Decapitation! Or explodey. Yeah, chest bursting. So, uh, there is a splatter girl element. I mean, that, let's make that our first one. Let's start with the back of the list, because, you know, we're not format-bound today. Uh, gore, an element of gore uh, it has its it. place in gaming and belongs there. I, I don't think it should be erased. There are just certain times where you kind of got to mute it, depend on your audience. Right. You there know? are people. Yeah. It does, you know, have it does have a different effect on each people on every person. Each player comes with different expectations and what their limit is. Being overly descriptive into the contents of somebody's stomach that just burst open, the you know, smell of death uh, permeating an area. These are elements that you can use, of course, but at the same time, one is more reactive, where the other one is just kind of like you have to imagine it is. And if you've you know been in a in a place where there's been a, a lot of bodies decomposing in an area, you know you, you probably have, have some trauma anything. already yeah. associated with that. It doesn't happen by accident, or no. well, if it does, it's 
you know, a disaster. So To reveal an old writer's trick, uh, sometimes it's honestly more effective to carefully select your wording so that you are implying much without going specific. Mm-hmm. And then let the minds of the listeners fill in the blank. Okay? Let each individual person's imagination is more powerful than they realize, even in the age of, like, visual entertainment. Uh, the mind's eye, the imagination, is still incredibly powerful. You know, th- this has ebbed not at all. Human beings haven't really changed that much no. in spite of the changes to their environment. So there's tremendous power in letting your listeners, your audience, fill in with their imagination what's going on. Uh, you just provide the cues. And here's the part that takes practice is learning not to give it all away, you know, without saying too little. You know, you you want to prod them in the right direction imagination-wise, but you don't want to fill it all in for them. But this type of horror really only exists, I think, in certain aspects of medium. And I think that you're absolutely right that you can't force people into it as much as lead them by their own imaginations. But every once in a while, a very graphic and explicit description can be just as jarring and that's where you're kind of going with that part but the gore is not i just put it in there because it is a part of uh the horror genre right now because in the film medium it is and, and the film medium oftentimes inspires gamers and right you know and it deserves merit and mention uh mostly in zombie apocalypse it's more prevalent but if you do it over and over it just kind of loses its impact so you got to be careful <laughs> Yeah, I, there's I'm, only so many ways you can describe a shambling, rotting husk, uh, lusting for your brains to eat them. Uh, yeah, you know, it just it only goes so far. So, so you know, you save it, uh, the really graphic material. I mean, if you assuming you have an audience that is prepared for this, and it's okay. Uh, in in which case, you save it for that special moment. Right. Use know? it for. So you you pop the can on that one. Just when you need it. Just a good psh- example is the creature known fresh. as the Son of Kias. Oh, yeah. Oh, with the green worms writhing out of it. Through their, they, right, they yeah, their bodies. Jump are, on your skin and can turn you into one of them. Positively grotesque. Or the Penelgrin. The, uh, oh, the Penangolin. The Penangolin. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's really hard to pronounce it with all those umlauts and uh, curves. But yes, uh, the Penangolin. Yeah, a female vampire that attaches from the head and pulls its internal organs and drips all over you, causing extra damage. It, it's it's gross and disgusting, but it's there. And again, that's where you would want to use it. Um, use it sparingly and carefully like a spice, like a very powerful hot spice. And you will be well rewarded when people taste that they know that they've bitten into something. See, yeah, I mean... Hey, everyday gaming, it's totally okay. You know, use that little regular red pepper and that little yep. regular green pepper. Uh, and, you know, oh, what a tasty little combo. That's a nice little dish. But you get to that boss scenario, the, the big the big ending. Uh, time to break out the Carolina Reaper and yep. watch them burn. Yep. You're going to see him cry. Just, oh, oh, God, it's so hot. <laughs> right, so... um. But that's just one. So going on, if we're going backwards on it, the thriller and the non-supernatural horror are very closely aligned. Pit in a pendulum, and the murder mystery or suspense—they're a little harder to pull off, but they work pretty well. 
Now, I, I'm going to spell out very carefully the difference between the two, okay? The, mm-hmm. the non-supernatural is, and the thriller are different because the thriller emphasizes the exciting moments, the adrenaline rush, the panic, the, you know, the jump scare, the... Ah! Being uh, pursued by a stalker. Yeah, the terrifying chase, uh, the breathless fear... Those are thrillers. Uh, an example but, would be the Halloween. And that can have elements of the non-supernatural in it. Okay, mm-hmm. that, that can be... Michael Myers. Non-super- yeah. Uh, well, you know, vaguely, inexplicably, you know, immortal. Uh, well, yeah, you know, as later, the, but... As the silly mythology builds up. But the, the point being is that in its initial outing, we're talking about a perfectly mundane and plausible series of real-world events. Uh, There is no supernatural element. This did not come from another universe. It did not crash from a meteor. It is not something lodged in human uh, folklore. It is a person behind it. The the real terror here is that it's the dark side of humanity itself. Uh, So the non-supernatural thriller most strongly, although it can have, or the non-supernatural horror, uh, it can have thrilling elements, but it chiefly emphasizes that facet of horror that is the realization that we're our own worst enemy, the dark side of ourselves. Thriller is less about the emphasizing the non-supernatural human element and more about the thrilling moments. The, if it emphasizes that terror, the stark pants wetting, ah! The jump Bat. scare, the sudden appearance of, like, a spider or a bunch of bats. Yeah. Yeah, they're momentary scares. They're mostly harmless, but how do you bring those in games? And, yes, we're stick with us here. We're yeah. going to bring this into games, but we're just going to cover these topics. And the, the next one is pretty familiar. It's the supernatural horror. Now, this is ghosts. It could also be demons. It could be things from another universe or dimension or Evil reality. Evil dead. Yep. Uh, or yeah. the curse. <laughs> Featuring Will Wheaton, who, you know, I mean, <laughs> you know, it was a pretty good movie. I, I think it was John Schneider was the Yeah, uh, the, the Creeping Flesh. Was, oh, now there's an ancient and decrepit. Yeah, we talked about that in the Hammer, the supernatural Hammer Horror. horror. Uh, there's a lot of examples of supernatural horror. Curse of the Demon was one I did not get to cover, so I'm going to bring it up here. Oh, oh the Curse well of the deserved. Demon. Uh, it was a supernatural thriller in... England, and of course it involved a warlock, or witch in this case, male witch, a warlock who could summon a demon to kill his enemies. A man witch? Pretty much, (laughs) but not of the uh, Heinz variety. (laughs) Okay. But at the very end of the movie, the demon appears, and it is, it just... Oh, that cuts it from now on. I'm going to have to run a game where, or not even run a game, I'm going to play in a game, and I will be a male witch who is named Heinz. Good. Um, Sorry. anyway, had to get that out. Sorry. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> you couldn't expect less, but <laughs> anyhow, if the demon shows up, it's, uh, some people say that, well, they should have kept it. Uh, it was amorphous. It was kind of like a fog with a strange kind of chirping to it. And then it finally appears manifest and kills the evil, uh, sorcerer at the end, rips him right apart and, uh, very graphically for the time. But, uh, you can tell, yeah, the dated, 
and it was a doll and a guy in a suit. But yeah, yeah. just and uh, you know the authorities like, oh, he was run over by a train. Oh, how terrible! <laughs> but you know it ends in a modernity. So we didn't get to cover the curse of the demon, but I did want to bring that up. Check that one out too. Classic supernatural horror, example. right? Exactly. Well placed, dude. Well placed. And then the last one is gothic horror. Now for gamers, we go right to Ravenloft, and well, you should because gothic horror actually involves. All of these things. Sometimes a little bit of gore, but it's very, very subtle. It's the atmosphere in mm-hmm. gothic horror that is like the the extra lead character, okay? Everything else is secondary to the atmosphere that is created by everything around you. Uh, the dilapidated castle. Uh, the gloomy days with uh, overcast skies. Uh, the The... Moon coming through the clouds only at a brief moment, just in time to illuminate the forest that you're in and cause With you to notice trees. to notice the eyes glittering in the distance, you know, all around you, uh, and realizing that you are watched. Atmosphere is everything in Gothic horror. And you know, here's where we're gonna turn it over to the gaming. Ravenloft, number one with a bullet. Now, we talked about Vampire the Massacre. Yeah, we covered that in the Ravenloft episode. We love it. And the Vampire episode. Right. But here is Ravenloft where it really shone. They took all the classic werewolf, vampire, even uh, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, uh, (laughs) other lycanthropies, uh, uh, a kingdom of were-rats. Yeah, the the lunacy and the lycanthropy vibes were just riffed on over and over again, without mercy. Uh, But deservedly so, and Ravenloft is a beloved classic because of this. So, but that is not a judgment. Trope does not mean bad in this. Yeah, I don't think there will ever be another... I mean, it's arguable, so it's subjective. But I don't think, in my opinion, there will be another... Uh, setting that encapsulated gothic horror as well and they did it with D D, and that's also a you know with your <laughs> mountains of hit points and low armor classes and saving throws they still managed to pull it off and i think that where mike is exactly right it's atmosphere that sets it you can describe a normal monster to near horrific proportions and get your characters on edge with just a group of ghastly little ghouls running around in a cemetery gibbering and slathering about or a particularly brutal tribe of orcs with a shaman at the head of them that like demands sacrifice for grumps you know and in a sort of description of an 13th warrior type yeah an altar covered in skulls you know just uh. and they wear monster you know furs and horns and appear more monstrous yeah it's all in setting and it's all in a technique and approach and of course this makes preparation but also Ravenloft gave a lot of information clues and even game mechanics and how to pull these off and that's the core point here is that in supernatural horror we all know where we're going to go with this Call of Cthulhu you would want to go with Call of Cthulhu for supernatural horror primarily but you can also do a non-supernatural horror in Call of Cthulhu it is very possible or out of Call of Cthulhu. I mean, you know, just any cult of an evil god in any game system, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a darkness from beyond the stars. They're borrowing from Cthulhu mythos stylings, uh, even if it's not Cthulhu related directly. Uh, the concept is there. Oh so, yeah, but the alien force that no one fully understands, Lost Temple of Thrizden. Yep, yeah. and that's another one that. Where you bring different elements, and I need to mention 
Call of Cthulhu as the premier supernatural horror because it put a new variation in supernatural horror, the cosmic horror. It wasn't that they were forces of hell inimical to man's ascendancy or trying to stop him. They just don't care. Yeah, that, you that are a, insignificant. That was a very specific difference between the Cthulhu uh, H.P. Lovecraft universe and the traditional notion of supernatural horror. Was that uh, the origins of supernatural horror have always had their precursor uh, assumed an oppositional force, something Death, that has hell. direct personal enmity towards humanity, something that despises us and personally has an interest in doing us harm or leading us astray. Uh, the cosmic horror is terrifying because it doesn't care. We are beneath the radar of significance and only accidentally brush up against it, only to realize that we're not anywhere near as important as we thought we were. And that's the mind crusher, is the, oh my gosh, you know, not to borrow from... Uh, <laughs> uh, Oh, Kafka, but, you know, it's a little insect reflection moment where, like, I am an insignificant cockroach. Uh, it, that shattering of the ego is represented in the cosmic horror. Uh, and, hey, I, I think it was a class act for the dawn of the 20th century that uh, writers embraced that notion. Now, Jason over at RPG Nerds uh, Variety Cast said... Uh, that we should check out the first edition shell. And uh, I think this is another one which brings gothic horror and a little bit of the supernatural together, as well as the thriller. Uh, that is a role-playing game that uh, it's harder to find. Goblinoid Games is doing one, Crypt World, and a couple others that are bringing uh, those elements in, uh, doing the old pace setter games that have went out of print long ago. But uh, they had a central organization, uh, S-A-V-E, is an acronym save and it was there to protect mankind from the darkness and you know you were organized to, and prepared to fight these horrors wherever they may be and another one was beyond the supernatural pardon me from beyond or beyond from palladium games which is kind of uh, an encompassment of some of the other genres of horror as well as puts things in like demonic or uh, demented creatures let loose by uh, science's indifference to their ethics. Yeah, mom talk monster. Yep. And, you know, Beyond the Supernatural uh, lives up to its name because it delves in, it lets you develop what your horror is. It could be a zombie apocalypse. It could be uh, a certain, an out, uprising of vampires, kind of uh, the strain variety. All right, fair enough. That would be uh, you like the strain or I am legend. Yeah. I am legend. Yep. Uh, those are good alternatives there, yeah. uh, but there are, I mean, other forms other than contagion. Uh, yeah. Well, that's just one that uh, but, you could have. But you could have like uh, uh, demons have entered the realm of man, and now you know society's completely gone. Or you could have them just as they're coming in the efforts of humanity to stop them at once. As well as another one that was uh, much in the same version of Chill, Stalking the Night Fantastic, which was also Bureau 13. I had the little pamphlet book, Bureau 13, back in the day and was enamored with it, but Call of Cthulhu kind of was doing it for me at the time, so I never Yeah, really we never it. really followed up on that one. That, uh, you know, in full disclosure, that is not a game that we have actually played. Uh, although we have heard of it, it, it was not one that we Yeah, I got, never had the Stalking Night Fantastic. We never got hands on 
time with that one. Yeah. Because uh, we kind of hit our groove when we we were testing all these wide varieties of games. We hit Call of Cthulhu, uh, and it just touched a nerve. You know, we had such a smashing good time. Uh, even getting routinely devoured. Yes, I, going insane. I've never had a better time getting slain, okay? Just, it doesn't normally go down like that. It, there's usually a note of bitterness, like, dude, that sucked. I, I've worked really hard on that character. And, you know, I went into Call of Cthulhu having a sense that, like, you know, I was warned. You know, you have been warned. Don't don't get too attached. Don't Do your get- best, but don't get too attached. And you know what? With that little forewarning... I had a fantastic time. Exactly. And <laughs> Dr. Simon Mindbridge knows Professor Simon Mindbridge. Now, obviously you can combine the four types of horrors, or five types as you were, into basically hobo with a shotgun and a couple of spells. <laughs> yep. And Agent Tallwood of the FBI. <laughs> uh, torn apart by Cthonians in California. <laughs> but he took all of them with him. I'm pretty sure Simon Mindbridge was uh, institutionalized for burning down buildings. Serial arsonist. <laughs> Still muttering conspiracy theories. The Sylvester he... Mamunchka of Call of Cthulhu. <laughs> <laughs> oh, those were great times. But yeah, horror game uh, events, aside from just being a part of this season, they draw from a lot of different sources. And you can shake it up and move back and forth between these various rules of horror, even inside the same game. Like, you know, classically referenced uh, in various television shows that have been horror, supernatural-esque. Mm-hmm. Every so often they break format, yep. and they switch to the non-supernatural horror, where you go in expecting, you know, is it a goose? Is it a, a ghost or a ghoul? or a you know, this And it's a goose, that? like an untitled goose game. Yeah, Untitled Goose Game. Uh, no, uh, it turns out that, fascinatingly, once in a while, <clears throat> it's just a human. Uh, it's revenge for an old enemy, yep. dressed up in some other outfit to throw you off your guard. Uh, or it's just mayhem committed under purely normal human terms by somebody of exceptional determination and creativity uh, in their insanity. Uh, but even... Firmly entrenched horror genre shows uh, break format and try something different. They shake it up. And I totally recommend that for DMs if you're working in a horror-based campaign. Uh, Once in a while, throw them off their guard. Yeah, even in one that's based in modernity, throwing in the supernatural element. A.K.A. the Hardy Boys, Nancy Drew. Or even Sherlock Holmes. There was... Even in Sherlock Holmes, which was based pretty much in modernity and reality, not to say that it was boring, but the Hounds of Baskerville... Well, did... that, the mundane does not mean boring. It just means the normal. Right. You know, it, the, the real world in which we all dwell, you know, we're all operating under the same rules of physics. And Sherlock Holmes was, you know, was in no respect a superhero. He was simply highly observant. Uh, and, and cognitive. You know, exercised deductive reasoning to its furthest possible extent. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love... The but even the Hounds of Baskerville Holmes. contained just a hint. And, of course, they pull it back at the end. But that hint was there. And so... In... Phosphorus uh, rubbed along the muzzle of the beast so that its 
jaws appeared to glow, terrifying those who witnessed it and lending an unearthly air uh, to the the savage crimes. But even there were a few uh, Hardy Boys and Nancy Drew where they did encounter something they couldn't explain like a ghost. Yeah, and those were the opposite scenario where it's non-supernatural, uh, suspense and mystery, followed by an occasional format break where you suddenly pop in the, wait, but how did that go down like that anyway? Yeah. I'd swear, you know. What do you mean there's nobody living in that house? We've been talking to the guy. Uh-oh. Yeah. And that's where it hits. <laughs> that's, yeah. So, oh. again, each just like with every one of these, how you play it and the setup can really hit your players hard. Now, the one that can I think incorporates all of these things. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, the, this here's is, where the Komodo's this, been fluttering. This is the one that we... We planned this one completely. You know, this was this is the non-random, non-rambling element. This is the thing we wanted to come back to. And we have mentioned it before. Uh, kimono fluttering uh, has occurred around this subject because it's so near and dear to our hearts. There's one game, but it's not the game. It's a campaign within that game. But the game itself hits this. Go ahead, Mike. Warhammer 40Ks. Or no, fantasy roleplay. Yeah, Warhammer... Fantasy role plays, the enemy within campaign, yeah, yeah, gothic horror, a <clears throat> ancient empire coming into ruin and corruption from within, Slowly with supernatural eroding. powers, the lords of chaos gloating at the edges of reality, threatening to close in, with their non-supernatural agents upon the earth working maliciously to undermine human society, uh, and like you know, stability of nations uh, and the safety of individuals and certainly the safety of anybody who dares to tamper with their plans. Uh, and then, you know, there's thrilling moments, there's gore. Combat. It had all of it. Every single facet. Those crit tables were not for the squeamish. Oh, God. oh goodness, no. Uh, you know, just really not... Probably should have come with a PG-13 warning. Yeah, it, it, they were. <laughs> they didn't pull any punches. And you had all five elements in there. Yeah, the thriller or the non-supernatural horror because you could encounter something where you were being hunted just by a group of bandits or... A malevolent uh, politician with yep. influence sufficient to send people after you or lead you on a wild goose chase or frame you for crimes. Uh, just literally, the Enemy Within campaign explored so many spins on horror and suspense and mystery uh, in one enormous ranging campaign setting. It was fantastic. It was a tour de force. So can't glow enough about it. We've glowed about it in the past. We're going to glow about it again. Yeah, you're going to hear it from us. We're, we we're going to go back to that well for another bucket of water more than once. Yeah, just like RuneQuest Cult of Prax, you just can't heap enough praise upon it. It, it is such a monumental work of gaming horror and it does hit the horror button over and over. There is no facet that is just where you can be complicit and just like or compliant and just go, oh, it's just another goblin encounter. Yeah, it, it does not leave you that luxury. Uh, I I don't want to poo-poo people who may have like felt underserved by that. Okay, I, it's possible that other people feel differently than we do. They didn't yeah. have much of a time. Depends on the age you hit it uh, and the crowd you were with. Uh, the level of enjoyment might have been radically different for some. 
in our case, we were very lucky. Uh, we had a lot of game time under our belts at the at the time. Yeah, massive yeah. Neil Arthotep had taught me a lot, um, yeah. which is another great one I can't uh, praise enough. But, you know, the handouts. I did preparatory work on with a um, tape recorder with uh, overlays of music playing behind me and would play that during the game as intros. Um, I would even invoke with... Uh, Lots of miniatures and other things, the uh, the atmosphere and the setting with uh, the certain... Um, they used to have a map pack for that, for miniatures, and it was very evocative. Yeah, they had gone out of their way intentionally. I, none of this was accidental. It's not like these guys accidentally got lightning uh, in. We managed to squeeze some lightning into this bottle because, like, some just happened to hit today. No, they did their homework. Uh, they developed this... And they layered and layered and layered that series with all kinds of fantastic tidbits. Uh, which is why we're so grateful to it today. We hit it at the right time and in the right state of mind and with the right click of people. And it was one of the probably... You know what? I'm, I'm going to say hands down as far as developing my skills uh, as a DM. And what I considered good campaign material that would probably be the one that was the most influential now there yep. are other things that were influential and extremely so that are beloved favorites i've got favorite modules that are at the top of my list but those are individual modules not whole yep. campaign settings if i were asked very specifically which campaign had the greatest influence on you as a dm it's going to be the enemy within because I went through it as a player, never as a DM. But what I observed in play was so enjoyable that forever after I have tried to reach that level of subtle horror. And yeah, I'm still proud of the time that I did the uh, tape mix. So, I mean, I was at the top of my game on that one. So, you know, they... Uh, they pushed me to a boundary that, well, you know, after you've done it a couple <laughs> times, you're kind of like, yeah, I've been there. And that was all before this uh, stuff was around. So, hey, you know, uh, just saying that I would, I don't want to trade it for those old days. I'm just saying that you know, that's, you know, it led me in a new path. So Yeah, it was the Proving Grounds. And there's terrific material being written today that is by just, a lot of ex just a really exciting new people who are delivering quality product that I think is... And they're bringing the enemy within back. Yeah, they're... All right, yeah, that that's coming back too. But, you know, there's new stuff coming out right now that is going to be just as influential on people picking that product up today as I think Enemy Within was when we ran through it. So right. I have great enthusiasm about the direction gaming is going. Right on. So, uh, all right, well, I think we covered our horror topic. And, of course... If we missed anything, please feel free to let us know. It's fine. Um, we're here for comments and criticisms. It's how we grow. But uh, if we uh, if you did something you liked or you had questions about it, you can let us know on our Facebook page, as well as get a hold of us on Twitter, me at Death End Gaming, and Mike at... Ah, Magi Vox. Right, and of course, you can leave us a message on the Anchor app. Oh, that too. I mean, and, you know, we... Per usual, as we mentioned in the beginning, we will always, always try to get back to you. I mean, unless unless things reach like a, a you know, floodgates level event. Uh, you know, yeah. 
We're the, the how high's the water, mama? Yeah, when we have like 10 or 12 call-ins, we're going to have to cut it down to three or four. But, or unless you're a stink bug, and if you're a human <laughs> stink bug calling in, then yeah, no, well, we're going to no, make but, money but, out. But you can expect no less from the full contact, no boundaries, uh, tiddlywinks competition oh. of gaming podcasts. Uh, yeah, you like with full body checking, like yeah. hockey style. We've made tiddlywinks exciting enough for cable. Yeah. Pow! He's out! Oh! Right. Well, we're, we won't body check you, we promise. We'll do it to each other. <laughs> but nonetheless, uh, we hope you have a good evening and uh, appreciate listening. And just let us know your comments and opinions. So keep them coming, guys. But until next time, may, may the dice always roll in your favor. favor. We're out. See ya. See ya.